Good morning, everyone. We are two weeks away from Christmas. Hard to believe, isn't it? Anyone excited for Christmas? Boy, that was overwhelming, let me tell you. Anyone have any kids or grandkids who are super excited for Christmas? Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got five little kids in our home, and the excitement is building, and it's fun just kind of viewing it through their eyes. Uh, I mean, what could go wrong? You add a lot of late nights and a lot of sugar. Perfect combination for a lot of fun. So I hope your Christmas season is going well. Um, As a parent, there are seasons of parenting that aren't always sugar plums and candy canes and... Lots of good times. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Uh, A few years ago, my uh, younger daughter was going through a season where she was just, I don't know, like her attitude was just constantly rough. And whenever we'd get together, whenever we'd do anything together, whether it was a family night or a meal together or something like that, she would say something or do something to ruin the moment. And it was just, it was so frustrating. No matter what we did, it was just this constant kind of toxicity and frustration. And those of you who know me know that I I like nicknames. And so one day I was inspired. And I I just just was looking at her and 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 a new nickname came out. I, I called her Toad. Some of you are like, what? Did I say that right? Toad, yeah. I felt like it was a perfect fit. Um... (laughs) toads tend to be a little rough around the edges. They're not the kind of things you want to hang out with, at least most of us. And and it just felt like it was the perfect fit. And it was kind of nice to give voice to a little bit of the frustration. And everyone else in the house thought it was hilarious and was laughing. And instantly, she had a new name, and it was Toad. But as the days went on, I quickly noticed something about this new nickname. When I'd use it, I saw something in her eyes, and it wasn't anger, which was normal. (laughs) It wasn't annoyance, which was normal. It It was this look of hurt. And I realized that this kind of joking nickname that was giving voice to some frustrations was actually, it was hurting. It was wounding her. And so I had to pull rank and impose a ban on the word toad in our house. And it was just this reminder of the power of our words. You know, there's a saying, and you can probably complete it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a pretty good lie. I think most of us have experienced the power of words to hurt us. And words actually have enormous power. The Bible says the very opposite of this, in fact, the Bible says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. And so for many of us, there were words spoken to us recently when we were younger that motivate us, that encourage us. I grew up with parents that are very effusive in their encouragement and their praise and their kindness. And and so I grew up with these words being spoken to me that, that motivated me, that encouraged me. I am who I am today because of the power of their words. And yet, there are words that do the exact opposite. 
there are words that are given to us, whether they're labels, whether they're names, whatever the case may be, whether they're just words spoken in bitterness or frustration or heartness, uh, harshness, where, man, it would be nice if those just kind of rolled off our back like water off a duck's back. But they didn't, did they? They stuck. And some of you can go back to a label or a word that was spoken over you, and you can recall that as if it was yesterday. And you feel the sting, you feel the pain, you feel the hurt, you feel the embarrassment. And that word, that label has altered the direction of your life. Maybe it motivates you, but it motivates you in a harmful way. Maybe you, you created a distance between yourself and that person. And maybe that distance remains to this day. And maybe there's walls you put up that affect other people and you might not even know it. But that word or those words had the power of death to you. And as I'm thinking about labels, this series that we're, that we're in is this series called The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And ghosts are these things that haunt us, that don't leave us alone. And I've been thinking of, well, what are the labels that are these ghosts that haunt us? And, and so I don't know if you've ever heard any of these or been given any of these, but there's some labels that stick and just don't roll off our backs. How about being called failure? Not good enough. Perfectionist. Sensitive. Mistake. Loser. Liar. Unloved. Loner. Insecure. Introvert. Ugly. Hothead. Boring. Critical. Alone, pathetic, average, weakling, annoying, toad. I mean, we could keep going. There are so many words and so many labels that can stick. And they have the power to tear us down. In this series that we're doing, and I thank Craig Rochelle and Life Church for, for creating this series that we've adapted for our Christmas rotation at all of our campuses and churches across New York. We're going to look today at a story of labeling. It's not my story, it's a story that goes way back in history, and there's something insightful in this story that I think we can learn from. Because words do indeed have the power of life and death. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie, and we all know it. So if you turn with me in your copy of Scripture, we're going to look at Genesis 35. Genesis 35, page 32, if you want to use your chair Bible. And listen, if you'd like that chair Bible, you take that home with you, and we won't label you a thief. That's our, that's our gift to you. Genesis 35. Uh, as you're turning there, I want to welcome our online campus and everyone joining us by simulcast. Welcome, everybody. Uh, let me give you a little background before we dive into this story. Uh, this is a, an interesting story. Some of you have heard this. Some of you, this will be new. But there's a young man in this story who's smitten. 
That's how many stories begin. But he's smitten with a a young lady named Rachel who was considered very lovely and beautiful according to the record of Scripture. And he wanted to marry her and he made a bargain with her dad. If I work for you for seven years, I can win your daughter's hand in marriage. And after seven years at the wedding, he's given the dad's daughter, only it's not the correct daughter. And their veils were so Uh, thick back then, he didn't know it was the wrong daughter. He married the older daughter, Leah, and Leah is described in Scripture as having weak eyes. That's the description. I guess that's almost like saying, hey, she has a great personality. Um, It wasn't who he liked or loved at all. And so it was kind of the scandal, and it was a mess, and he made a bargain with her, her, her dad, hey, if I work another seven years, can I marry the daughter that I actually love? And so the, the father-in-law agreed. So he and Rachel end up being married, but they quickly uh, face a new obstacle, and that's the challenge, the obstacle of infertility. Now, there's a label, if any of you have ever dealt with that, that is painful. There's, there's few pains like it to want a kid and, and not be able to conceive. And that was what they walked through for, for quite a while. And finally, this miracle happens, and she's able to conceive, and she gives birth, and she has a child, a, a boy. And they try again, and they, she gets pregnant, and, and they're having a second kid. And that's where the story picks up, is the second pregnancy. Things go off the rails a little bit. Verse 16, Genesis 35, verse 16. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Isn't that how it always works? You're never near lords when you need them, right? Her labor pains were intense. So that's a big red flag. Back then, you were in big trouble if your pregnancy and and, and the birth didn't go well because there's no C-sections invented yet. And, And so Rachel's life is in imminent danger if this birth can't happen the way it should. Verse 17, after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. So in the midst of all the screaming and the crying and the pain and the, and the tension and the, the worry and the nervousness, they hear the midwife kind of yell out, it, it's a boy. And there's this moment of, of, of excitement that quickly fades away because verse 18 says, Rachel was about to die. I mean, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in the same moments, right? She's about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. This is a little lesson on naming something something else. As she's dying, having just given birth to her second son, she's breathing her last. She calls her son a name, and quickly her husband calls him something else. And for both of them, the name was creative. Now, has anyone noticed that parents are maybe more creative than ever with their kids' names? Some of you work in education or kids' ministry. You have no idea how to even pronounce these new names. And it's probably because the parents literally just made them up. Um, They're getting very creative out there. Um, There were a few names growing in popularity that, man, I thought they were kind of interesting. Um, How about Arrow, 
Here's some boy names that are growing. Arrow, Blade, and Flint. Do you see a theme going on here? Some aggressive parents, apparently, naming their kids weapons. I'm not sure. So there's some female names that are um, actually on the chart that surprised me. Uh, how about Messiah? No pressure, honey. How about this one? Mulan. I think Disney gets a royalty for every Mulan that's named. How about this one? Can someone say this for me? <laughs> I have no idea either. Right? Da, da. Do you say the dash? Da, dasha? I, I, have, I have no idea. I, I'm not sure, but people are creative with names. And a lot of kids grow up having to constantly correct people for the correct pronunciation. So, so these parents right here are very creative. The mom, as she's dying, does a hyphenated name, Ben-Oni. Ben is son, Oni is sorrow. And in her last moments as she's dying, she calls him Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. Meanwhile, in the room, there's someone else who's grieving Right, Because her husband is losing his best friend. The, the, the lady he worked 14 years to win her hand in marriage. And as she's dying and, and he hears the name that she gives to his son. It makes sense. It's understandable. I mean, she's never even going to get a chance to feed her little boy. She'll never watch him take his first steps. She'll never watch him go to school. She'll never watch him get married, she'll never get to meet his kids, her grandkids. And so for her, this name, son of my sorrow, is really, it's really true. But in the background is a hurting dad. And he hears his little boy called Benoni. He's like, no, no, no. No, we're not going to keep that. Because what's true in this moment, it's not going to be true forever. It's not going to be true forever. And so the dad took what was and he renamed him. He named him something different. Now Jacob had experience with renaming and here's why. One night in his past, he was, he was, he was sleeping and then he ended up in a wrestling match. He didn't know who he was wrestling, what he was wrestling. He was kind of confused. He thought it must be an angel. And during the wrestling match, he, he finds out that it's actually, it's actually God himself. Is this really crazy story earlier in his life. And, and, and God gives him a new name at the end of the wrestling match. Because see, his name, Jacob, do you know the meaning of Jacob? Liar. I don't know what his parents were thinking. Oh, it's a boy. Let's name him Liar. Great. So they named him liar, deceiver. And he lived up to his name quite well. He always struggled telling the truth. But in that night, when he does this wrestling match with God, God says, I'm going to give you a new name, Jacob, liar. I'm going to call you Israel. And Israel means my God prevails. And he was so proud of his new name, right? No longer is he known as liar. He's known as the one who struggles with God and God wins. God prevails. He is a God who is stronger than any person. And he's so jazzed up about his new name that he renames the location of this struggle, Penuel, which means the face of God. He's like, it's here where I've seen the face of God and I've lived to talk about it. 
and I've got a new name. So Jacob's very aware of this concept of renaming, and he's very aware that he has a God who has renamed him. And he looks down with loving daddy eyes, and he sees his little boy, and he says, no, 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 I'm not going to call you son of my sorrow. I'm going to call you Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. In that day, the right hand, it, it was the hand of blessing. You would bless your kids with it. It was considered a hand of blessing. Even today, when you say, you're, you're my right hand man, talking about someone who's your, who's your companion, someone who's your helper, and he looks down at his little boy and he says, no, 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 we're not going with Benoni, honey. We're going with Benjamin. This is the boy of my right hand. And he gives him a new name. Because see, for the rest of his life, when he looked at his little boy, he didn't want to see a curse. He wanted to see a blessing. He didn't want to remember the tragedy of his wife's death. He wanted to remember the gift that his wife gave him in his dying moments, her dying moments. And he called him Benjamin. And there's this interesting concept that Jacob teaches us in this passage and, and God taught throughout Scripture. It's you don't get to choose what comes into your life. Jacob couldn't choose the tragedy of his botched marriage. He couldn't choose the tragedy of his wife's infertility. He couldn't choose the tragedy of her death on having their second boy. But what he could choose is what he called it. Because words have the power of life and death. So if there is a label a name, a word that you've been given, and that word is a word or label of death, maybe it's time to call it something different. And here's why. It's because God's power is bigger than your past. Let me say that again. I'm not sure anyone heard me. God's power is bigger than your past. You turn to the person next to you and just tell them, God's power is bigger than your past. What's true about you today doesn't have to be true about you in the future. And I know often we look at these labels and they mark us and, and we're, we identify ourselves by them. And, and maybe it's even a personality thing. It's a personality uh, temperament trait. It's a flaw and you live with that, and, and, and you're kind of stuck there. You feel like you can't ever get out from it. Maybe it's time to shed that label. Just personally, there's, there's, there's a label that I have due to my temperament where, where I am a goal-oriented, uh, get-her-done type of person, personality, and so I am by nature impatient and impulsive. Anybody else in here that way? A couple of, of you couldn't wait to put your hand up, right? Um, you know, I, I don't like waiting. And, and I remember when I was a young person going to Walmart and looking for the shortest line, and somehow that line always turned out to be the longest one. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you have the same struggle. And so it was just who I was. And then I, when I became a pastor and was in full-time ministry, and I realized this, this part of my nature, this part of my temperament, this who I am, impatient, impulsive, Boy, it is really damaging in a team. And I have to learn how to slow down and communicate better. And it is against my nature. And if I live too fast, even if I work too hard, 
I can burn out the people around me. And how do I shed this? It's who I am. How do I stop this? And so I have to constantly remind myself, life is not a race. Life is not a race. But it sure seems like it is to me, due to my nature. And so I've had to let God develop in me something that's not native to me. In Scripture, when God describes love in 1 Corinthians 13, the very first descriptor of love, he says that love is patient. And so I've had to let God rename me and my temperament and my my natural bent to develop patience in me because I don't have patience naturally. And by God's grace, the more I've grown in my faith, the more I've matured, the more this thing called patience comes out. And now impatience and impulsiveness, they're words that describe me sometimes, but they don't define me anymore. And I just wonder about you. What is it? What is that label? What is that trait? What is that name or word that just bogs you down. It just maybe describes you well and it defines you or you feel like it does. Maybe it's time for a renaming. Maybe it's just time to have a new name. right? Because in that moment as Jacob watches his wife die and give this little boy a name that's going to be a boat anchor to him the rest of his life. He says, no, 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 we're not going with Benoni. We're not going with son of my sorrow. We're going to go with Benjamin. We're going to go with son of my right hand. Every time I say his name and every time I see him, he'll be a reminder to me of the gift and the blessing that he is to me. Here's what's fascinating. God is very much in the renaming business. Not only did God rename Jacob, God renamed some other things. God renamed even locations, places. In Isaiah 62, God looks at the city that he loved, Jerusalem, and he said, never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name, and by the way, I think most of us can relate to that. We live in upstate New York. Right? I mean, there, there's a barb that kind of goes with the name of where we live. And it's, it's this joke, we say it sarcastically, we all know the challenges and struggles living here, whether it's weather or politics or fill in the blank, right? And God looks down at this city, he's like, no longer will you be called the forsaken city, the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. I love this part, for the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Jacob looked at his new boy, and he delighted in him. God looks at us, his kids. He looks at our community, and he's like, I delight in you. I know what people say about you. I know what people say about where you live. I know what you say about where you live. But my delight is in you. This is kind of fascinating. God doesn't just rename individuals and places he renames an entire people in second corinthians 5 17 it says this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone read this with me a new life has begun if you are a child of god you are literally a new person 
Your old gets trashed. It gets buried. The old you, the old definitions of you, the old labels, the old memories, the old things that you've done, God remembers them no more. And he gives you and he gives me a completely fresh start. I love having a God like that. Check this out. Talk about renaming. But to all who believed him and accepted them, accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now there's a label I don't deserve. There's a label I don't deserve. I can become a child of God. God is in the renaming business. God renames us. It's interesting, one of Jesus' closest friends was a guy named Simon. Simon was known as Mr. Talks Before He Speaks. I mean, that didn't make sense. Talks Before He Thinks. He probably said stuff like that. Acted before he thought. The guy was all over the place. He would have been diagnosed with stuff and on all kinds of meds if he was alive today. And one day God looks at his buddy Simon and he says, I'm going to name you Peter, which means rock. And all of his buddies were like, rock? Seriously? The, the, the guy is all over the place. The guy's anything but a rock. You can't get more opposite of a rock than Peter. Jesus says, no, no, no. No, I got a new name for you, Simon. Rock. You're my rock. And guess what happened to Simon? Over time, with a lot of work, he became a rock. See, sometimes God renames us and gives us a label that we're going to take a while to grow into. But Simon grew into it so much so that at the end of Simon's life, he was captured because of his faith in Jesus and he would not back down. He wouldn't compromise. And finally, they decided they were going to put him to death by crucifixion. And his response was, I don't deserve to die the way my Savior died. Do it a different way. And he was crucified upside down. And Simon became a rock with the power of God. Your past doesn't have to define you. Who you are today is not who you have to become because the power of God is stronger. In our kitchen, we have something hanging up as this constant reminder of what we're talking about today. It's a reminder that the things we see in our kids that frustrate or annoy us today might be the very same qualities that someday God uses to be their greatest strengths. And so there's this little thing that we look at in our kitchen, right? Our kids to our bossy, and uh, we may have one of those. She's a leader. And right now, in her weak moments, we see bossiness, but in her strong moments, boy, do we see a growing leader, right? Our defiant kid, boy, is she determined. And can God use her to change the world someday? Absolutely. Right, demanding, assertive, fearful, thoughtful. One, one of our kids who struggles uh, a lot with lying, um, this is absolutely true. They're incredibly creative. 
They described for me recently a dream that they had. It took them about five minutes. And I'm like, you could turn that into a movie. That was impressive. And the more I heard, I'm like, I don't think she had this dream. I think she's making it up. She's just telling a story. She's incredibly creative. And you look at these traits that maybe mark our lives or our kids' lives, and that's what we see. But God has a way of using our very weaknesses to become our greatest strengths. And maybe there's a new label that God wants to put on us. Our one kid who's a little too sensitive. Boy, is he caring. And God is going to use that in a great way. Because see, what Satan intends for evil, God can use for good. And while little Ben was this moment of tragedy for Jacob, he wasn't going to be remembered as a son of sorrow. He would be remembered forever as the son of daddy's right hand. You don't get to choose what comes into your life you do get to choose what you call it. So let me ask you, is there something that you need to ditch, a label, a name, a word that has been death to your soul, that has been nothing but bitterness and heartbreak and pain? Maybe today it's time for a renaming. Maybe it's time to let God shed that label. And yeah, you'll still have the memory of that. Yeah, maybe it's still going to hurt like crazy. But that name, that label, those words, they don't need to define you. Because God's power is greater than your past. For some of us, maybe the challenge is how do we use our tongues? Have you or are you calling people things like I called my daughter? See, God says he'll call us into account for every careless word spoken. Someday I'll have to stand before God and give a report about a nickname I thought was funny and I gave to my daughter, but it hurt her. God calls us to account for every word. How can I use my tongue to not tear down the people around me that God loves, but to build them up, but to speak life to them? Because, see, you and I have a God who only uses his words to build and to speak life. And what Jacob did for his son that day is what God does for us every single day. And the Savior of Christmas died to break our old labels. Our youngest son, Hudson, he's, he's almost five. Every night before he goes to bed, he, uh, he has to say something before he goes to bed every night. And if he doesn't say it, he can't go to sleep. And it's this thing. He, Daddy, you know, he gives me a hug and kiss. He says, you're the best daddy in the whole wide world. And he says, I got to go tell mommy, right? And he goes and hugs mommy and whispers to her, you're the best mommy in the whole wide world. Right? And then he goes, I got to go tell Theo, right? He goes tells his brother, you're the best brother in the whole wide world. And then he goes to each of his sisters, right? You're the best sister in the whole wide world. And then tells them all that. Same thing. They're all the best. And we love that little tradition that he has. He just, no one's ever told him to do it. No one's ever told him to keep doing it. But he just, he's that kind of kid. 
And what a reminder, the words of life. It doesn't puff up a single one of us like, yeah, we're the best in the whole wide world. It inspires us. I want to live up to who my son thinks I am. Right? If we took a lesson from Hudson to speak words of life to the people around us, because we have a God who does exactly that. And he loves renaming his friends. Liar, Jacob, became God prevails. Simon, the impulsive one, became rock. And God would love to rename you and give you a name to grow into and live up to. Will you bow with me this morning? Let me ask you, my friend, is there a label? Is there a label that just sticks with you? Right? Average, weak, failure, not good enough, toxic, annoying, right? And, and I don't know, maybe there's truth to that label. Maybe you earn that label, you earn that name. But maybe God is ready to rename you. That name doesn't have to define your future because God's power is so much bigger than your past. And so would you let God's goodness and God's favor and God's words of life maybe wash over your soul today, your, your, your soul that is perhaps wounded and hurt and bitter, maybe even calloused by a label or name of your past. And maybe today, you hear clearly that you have a God who is in the renaming business. And boy, would he love to give you a new name of life, a name you can grow into over time. Maybe today, like me, you, you have some confessing to do. You have used your tongue to speak a damaging word or nickname or label into someone's life. Maybe you need to go to them and, and ask them to forgive you. Maybe you need to start over and reset that relationship. Maybe it caused a schism or divide between you and someone else. Maybe it's not all your fault. Maybe you didn't even start it. But there does have to come a time for God's children where we own it. We own the words that come from our mouths. And we ask for forgiveness. And maybe today God wants to spiritually kind of wash our mouths out with soap and teach us how to use our tongues to build people up and speak words of life. And I pray that today can be that day where you decide that you'll get forgiveness, you'll ask for forgiveness from someone that you've hurt. Listen, if you've not yet become a child of God, I, I don't want to end without giving you that opportunity. God looks at you, he sees your past, he sees your baggage, there's nothing that would shock him or surprise him. And yet he doesn't want that to define your future. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you a new name, child of God. He would love to adopt you. He would love to forgive you. You say, what do I do? You can't do anything. You believe you believe in him. You put your faith, your trust in him. He becomes your God, your leader, your savior. And he adopts you into his family. If that's you this morning, I, I'm excited that you have the faith to believe. Welcome to the family of God. 
Let us help you grow in your new faith and develop your new identity that God gives you today. Father, thank you for being a God who speaks words of life, for being like that dad, Jacob, in that moment, and renaming his precious boy a a name that would matter, a name that would give him purpose and motivation and hope. Thank you for doing that for Jacob. Thank you for doing that for Simon. Thank you for doing that for us. May we be just a little bit more like you. And may we live up to the new names that you have given us. We pray this in the awesome name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen.